Radio 3. Ocho. Today, live from underneath the Britannia Pier in Great Yarmouth, with highly respected classical music scholar, Hans Why must it be so terribly loud? Whoever came up with this ludicrously down-market idea is clearly in need of a brain transplant. However, I am contractually obliged to present this rubbish, and despite my reservations, I do need the money for a new set of earplugs. So, I suppose it's time I met a few lame brains from the crowd who want to win a Radio 3 goodie bag full of promotional tet. Who are you supposed to be? I'm Bert from Stepney! Oh, dear, that is too piercing, it really is. It says here you're a habitual listener to Late Junction. That's right, Hans, yes. You are clearly out of your mind. Oh, yeah, that's right. What are your reasons for this? Uh, I don't know. I suppose I just favour the expressive nature of contemporary classical composers over the greats in terms of their all-embracing melodic unity, you know what I mean? Yes, I do know what you mean, actually. But do you? While you think about that, I shall move on to the next unfortunate specimen. Who are you? Oh, hello, Hans. I'm Colin from Peterborough. How awful for you. It says here that you have never missed a roadshow. <laughs> That's right, Hans. Yeah, I'm a bit of a Radio 3 anorak Maninov. And in need of psychiatric help, I shouldn't wonder. Tell me, who is your favourite composer? It's got to be Beethoven, hasn't it? I don't know, has it? Yeah, I've got all his records. I've got Symphony Number no. 1, uh, Symphony Number no. 2... What came after Symphony Number no. 2? Got in him. I also like that band who do the extended mashups of Bark Schumann and Mark Anthony Turnage. What are they called? Barkman Turnage Overdrive. I'm afraid I can bear you no longer, so now I am forced to turn to this young lady. Who are you, and why on earth are you here? My name's Edith, and I've come all the way from Cabbage in Gloucestershire. Ach, my eardrums. I suppose you also purport to be a connoisseur of classical music. Oh, yeah, like all the big names. Bartok, Mozart, Shostak... Uh, Shostak... Shostakovich. Bless you. Would you like a hanky? No, I would not, because now the three of you need to have your pen and paper at the ready for today's bits and pieces.
well, there we are. And more unfortunately, in my case, here I am. According to the producer, today's winner is Bert, who correctly identified all of those pieces, apart from the last one, which he thought was Chopin's Nocturne in C minor, Opus 48, number one when it was, of course, Chopin's Nocturne in F-sharp minor, Opus 48, number two. Numbskull. Anyway, please give him a very quiet round of applause. Yes, that is much better. And Edith, Colin, you don't go away empty-handed, but you do go away empty-headed. Before we continue further, I must give a special mention to Radio 3's very own Smiley Miley, who buried my car in the sand yesterday as a so-called prank. Needless to say, I immediately contacted the police and expect the subsequent court proceedings to result in a custodial sentence. I bet he isn't smiling now. Well, as the waves lap around the top of my vest, let us try to enjoy a recorded performance from 1966 by the BBC Mellard Orchestra. It's the John Dredge Nothing To Do With Anything show. A merry hello to you all and welcome to a very special edition of the programme. Oh, hold on a minute. No, apparently it's just the same old thing as usual. Never mind, though, because coming up later on the show, we have carpet-cleaning comedy double act Bob Shake and Vic Vac, our regular look at sellotape and, if there's time, cellophane, plus the return of our popular feature... Corner, which, thanks to an increase in the show's budget, has been revamped and rebranded as... But first... Farmer Collins, you regular character, you. What have I told you about crashing through the studio wall on your tractor? Ah, yes, just a moment. I wrote it down somewhere. Here we are. What John told me about crashing through the studio wall on my tractor. Don't. Oh, it's a pity I didn't read that earlier. Well, I expect you've been busy. I have, John. I formed my own pop group with some local landowners. A pop group? What are you called? Agriculture Club. I notice you've still got the time to come here and plug your alleged songs, though. I have to, John. Nowhere else will have me. I couldn't get on later with Jules Holland. Why not? Well, I had to get up at four the next morning. Them cows don't milk themselves. I only found that out recently. Have you tried Country File? Yes, but they'd gone up to the city. How about Farming Today? They said to phone back tomorrow. There's always the one show. There are some things I won't do, John. Fair enough. Well, I suppose now that you're here, you'd better perform your latest song. Thank ye, John. Thank ye. With the E pronounced... E! And just so you knows, at the end, exclusively for you and your listener... I'm going to attempt to become the first man in the world to play the glockenspiel on horseback. Clearly, fame awaits Farmer Collins, along with the possibility of a major accident. (laughs) 
This here song tells the tale of a man who was a working on the farm and a writing some beautiful music, but he had considerable difficulty in getting people to listen to any of it because there was a bunch of rat bags. In desperation, he turned to his old friend John, who knew a good song when he heard one, despite failing his music GCSE. And he put him on his show because he knew he'd regret it if he didn't take the opportunity to feature such an incredible musical genius. Is this song based on personal experience? No, it's completely made up. Here we go then. One, two, three, four, two, again, eight. Down on the farm, I write a lot of music, but no one wants to hear it, especially not the goats. All of the sheepdogs say that I be tone deaf, but what do they know? They only taste sheep. Whoa! Whoa there! Whoa there, boy! Whoa! Whoa! Farmer Collins there. And there. And a little bit over there. Yes, June? Where are you? I'm just adding the finishing touches to my home studio. (coughs) There, all done. Oh, who's that at the front door? We've only just had it dry cleaned. Don't worry, dear. I'll get it, seeing as I've just completed a part-time course in door opening at the University of Purley. Hello there, Terry and June. Oh, look who it is, Terry. It's the Icelandic pop star Björk. Come on in, Björk. Ta, I just thought I'd pop round and introduce myself. Can I get you a cup of tea? Oh, that'll be smashing. So, Björk, you're a pop star. Aye. Would I know any of your songs? Possibly, maybe. Well, why don't you run through a few titles? I'll see if I know any. Possibly, maybe. Hear that, June? She's so shy, she can hardly promote herself. Modest, too. June's always been very musical, haven't you, June? Oh, I wouldn't say that, dear. I was only in the Nolan Sisters. But then along came DNA testing and I was shown the door. I hope they'd had it dry cleaned. Milk? Just a splash. What about sugar? I'm afraid we've no granulated, only cubes. No sugar cubes for me, thanks. Too many bad memories. I tell you what, June, give her one of my Hermesitas. That'll see her right. Here you are, Bjork. Catch! Now, there's lovely. So, what brings you to Pearly, Bjork? I've just moved into number 73. I bought it from my old producer, Nellie Hooper. Did you hear that, Terry? Mr Hooper's moved away. Really? Where to? Pofueli. So, Nellie's gone to Pofueli. <laughs> Put the laughter machine back in the fridge, will you, June? It's going off. Well, I'm sure you'll fit in very well around here, Bjork. A lot of weird singers have moved to Pearly recently. Really? Anyone in particular? 
In at number 30 most nights is Morrissey, and there is a light that never goes out. He's been waiting all week for an electrician to turn up and fix it. Moving ten places up the street to get away from Morrissey, and who can blame him, is David Bowie at number 20. He's been dancing in the street with Mick Jagger. At least they were, until the pair of them received asbos. And at number one, it's the artist formerly known as the artist formerly known as Prince, formerly of Purple Rains Park, who formerly formed the new power generation after his gas cooker blew up. Thank you, June. That was most informative. I hope you like the backing music. I knitted it myself. Talking of music, I couldn't help but notice that you've just finished building a home studio in the corner of the room. Well, what with all you singers moving into the street, I thought I might be able to make a bit of extra money renting out my services as a recording engineer. That's a stroke of luck. I'm looking for someone to remix one of my old hits. Well, Björk, look no further. I'll do you and your army of you a remix before you can say Paul Oakenfold. Paul Oakenfold? I might need a bit more time. (laughs) It took all night, June, but I think I've cracked it. That's wonderful, Terry. And how's the remix coming along? Oh, I finished that hours ago, June. I can't wait to play it to Bjork. That'll be her now. How can you tell? She's ringing the doorbell in Icelandic. Borada, Terry and June. I hope you don't mind, but I've brought Goldie along. I'm looking after her for the weekend while Simon grooms off on a silage spotting holiday. Well, Björk, I've finished that remix you asked me to do. Oh, tidy. Have a listen. So, what do you reckon? Well, to be perfectly blunt, Terry, I think this remix is of absolutely no musical value whatsoever. In fact, it stinks something rotten. You mean... Yes, I'll release it first thing tomorrow morning. It'll be massive! (laughs) Oh, dear. Perhaps I shouldn't have fed Goldie that stick of dynamite this morning. But then again, I am completely around the bend. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, Come on, come on, mate. let's get out of here before you fall down the hole in the middle. Come on, give us your hand. We're going to walk. Here. Yeah. Yeah, what have you had in your hand? Have you? Time now for a rather unexpected competition, because my producer says we need a short item to take us into the break. So if you've got any ideas, send them to us at the usual address. If you can't remember that, send it to the unusual address, which is Think of a Link, the Nothing to Do with Anything show, Frinton 4. 
Whoever writes the winning link will receive something that I've just found on the studio carpet. I'll repeat that. You could win something I've just found on the... Oh, sorry. The producers just told me that we have now got enough material to take us into the break, so forget all that if you don't mind. Whitley tea bags have over 2,000 perforations that let the flavour flood out. I say, this tea is disgusting! Oh dear, all the flavour must have flooded out. Now give me a complimentary soya latte, you odious little Yorkshireman, or I'll have you fired! Twitly make tea bags make tea. Make tea bags. Make tea. Tea. Bags. Make tea. Make tea bags. Make tea. Make tea bags. Hello, this is Professor Brian Cox. You're listening to the Nothing To Do With Anything show. Things can only get better. Right, what part of the show are we at now? And where's my hold-all? Where is it? No way am I going on air without my hold-all. If you can't find it, then we are done professionally. D-U-N done. P-R-O-F-F-F. How many Fs are there in professionally? Well, why don't you know? You're the producer. Find out. And don't bring that attitude into this happy studio, all right? What? Listen, mate, I've been doing this show long enough to know when we're on the air. And welcome back to the show once again, where it's time to look at your correspondence, most of it in crayon, in this week's Dear Dredge. First and frankly only email this week comes from Timothy Traction Engine Goes. I wonder if he's related to one of our correspondents during the last series, Bernard Traction Engine Goes. Anyway, Timothy writes. No, I am not. Ah, well, that answers that one. He goes on to say. I have been single since before birth and would like to meet someone and settle down. But I've always found meeting women difficult due to low self-esteem, nervousness and the fact that I live in the Sahara Desert. Do you have any advice? Listen no further, Terence, as we present for you and all the other sad unfortunates out there... The Nothing To Do With Anything show, Top 3 Dating Tips. For men who don't want to try too hard. Tip number one. Many men hold back from asking women out on dates because they have very little money. So, why not show some initiative and rob a bank or defraud a major financial institution? Tip number two. A good sense of humour is vital to any relationship. Just ask Ava Braun. So, before you start the small talk at dinner, repeatedly ask your date if she knows any jokes. If she doesn't, don't worry. Just laugh hysterically throughout the rest of the evening. Tip number three. Men often avoid approaching women because they are scared of rejection. 
But why not ask anyway? If you don't ask, you'll never know. Do bear in mind, though, that you might end up humiliated, ashamed, and bereft of any real hope. Good luck. Will there be anything else, Master? Pardon? I am programmed to provide you with whatever you require. Your wish is my command. Name your desire, and I shall obey. What is it you wish for, Master? Well, um, could I have a cup of tea? Does not compute. Could you tidy up the studio, then? Does not compute. Okay, well, just pass me my script. Does not compute. Right, well, I suppose that will be all, then. Anything else I can do for you, Master? Clearly not. I've seen more intelligent toasters. I can still hear you. We present Space 1999, or nearest offer. Our story begins on the dark side of the moon, one of the most desolate places in the universe, and the second biggest selling album of all time. On moon base Alphonse, a no-frills space station knocked up in a couple of days by a team of Belgian carpenters on overtime, Professor Barry Morse is attempting contact. Paul, can you hear anything out there? Over. I heard the theme tune loud and clear, Professor. It sounded pretty exciting. Over. Yes, but I'm afraid the rest of the show doesn't live up to it, and my acting's terrible throughout. Over. I copy that. I wouldn't if I were you. Now, Paul, unload the extremely dangerous radiation canisters into Waste Disposal Area 1, and then come back to base in your own inimitable style. Will do. Under and out. Don't you mean over and out? No, I'm scared of heights. Ah, good day, Commander Dullard. Inspector Morse, what are you doing here? It's the best offer of work I've had since the fugitive, sir. And it's Professor Morse. Well, you've certainly got a magnificent moon base here, Professor. You've really nailed the 70s retro chic thing, whatever that is. Thank you, sir. Anyway, I just popped in to check everything was going to plan. Yes, sir. A hundred thousand Space 1999 toys will be in the shops in time for Christmas and in the back of a garbage truck by New Year's Eve. Good. And how are the Space 19? 99 ice lollies? Tasty enough for no one to care what's in them, sir. Excellent. I've also been asked to check the current status of Waste Disposal Area 1. Well, there are some unknown factors. What are they? I don't know. It's just that there's been some concern back on Earth about a possible radiation leak. I've taken a look at the latest safety data, sir, and I'm happy to confirm that the health risk is negligible. In fact, Paul's been out there two hours now and he's fine. Aren't you, Paul? My God, what's happened to him? It's some kind of foul mutation. I don't wish to know that, Commander. Kindly leave the moon. But you can't just leave him out there to die. If not to die, could we leave him out there tomorrow? No, you must send a rescue team to bring him in at once. I would, sir, but there's no one available. What about the backup crew? I can't use them, sir. Why ever not? They get my backup. Computer, what's the readout on Paul's vital signs? All brain activity has now stopped. Well, at least he'll be able to enjoy the X-Factor. Professor Morse. Ah, Dr. Russell. Or should I say Dr. Helena Russell? Yes, you should. And thank you for telling the audience who I am. There's an audience for this? Yes, sir, but not for long. Commander, I've just noticed a steep increase in radiation levels at Waste Disposal Area 1. But that completely contradicts what I've just told the Commander. Are you sure there's nothing wrong with your instruments? (laughs) 
all seem okay to me, Professor. Well, it looks like we'll need to monitor Waste Disposal Area 1 for the next 24 hours. Good call, Professor. I think you and I should take it in turns. I'd rather not, sir. All this intense boredom has left me completely drained. All right, I'll take your watch. Okay, but be careful. It's a Rolex. Commander, there's a call coming through from the writer's room. Do you think we can reverse the charges? We could use the money saved to pay for better special effects. It's too late for that, Barry. Well, I wouldn't know, would I? You've got my watch. Hello? Ted Reiser here, Commander. How's it looking up there? I have to be blunt with you, sir. Things are more badly scripted than any of us have been led to believe. There are quite a few careers dying even as I speak. Roger that. ITC. Whatever could have caused that radiation leak? After extensive tests, Commander, we have been led to believe that it was probably due to a leak of radiation. No, that's too simple. We need to make the show much more complicated to make the viewers think we know what we're talking about. It's no good. I can't stand this program any longer with its incomprehensible dialogue, long boring sequences of spaceships flying around and ridiculous plots, and they're not paying me enough. I've got to get out of here and be with people my own age. Don't worry, Professor. It looks like you're not in any of the scripts for series two anyway. What? August the Thrid, 1999. Professor Morse died of shock today. Now I'm not a medical man, but something tells me he's not going to get any better. In other news, Paul is showing no sign of recovery. Dr. Russell has quarantined him in a sealed room to minimize any chance of whatever it is he's got being passed on to the rest of us. It's true that some of the crew have already started laying eggs, but I have every faith in Dr. Russell's abilities and feel sure that... <clears throat> feel sure that there's nothing to worry about. But what does the future hold for all of us? Only time will tell. Time that can at last be told now that I've got my hands on Professor Morse's Rolex. And that staggeringly soporific saga brings us to the end of our rope and to the end of another show as we... Ah. Well, it seems there's just time for another of our unexpected competitions because according to the producer, we need a script for the closing credits. So if you've got any ideas, send them in as quickly as possible, please, to Closing Credits Competition, The Nothing To Do With Anything Show, Frinton, Five... And whoever writes the winning link will receive a week's supply of... Biscuits! And in that order. But do remember, you must include the names John Dredge, Richard Cray, Greg Haste, Anna Emerson, Max Dowler, James Shakeshaft, Miles Eady, Katie Slater and a lemon meringue pie. Ah, the producers just told me that in fact we no longer need a script for the closing credits as I've just read them all out. Make tea.